Want to talk to you guys today about a very special book, Own the Day, Own Your Life by our CEO, Aubrey Marcus. It is an excellent book. We ran an incredible podcast on it. If you haven't heard about it on the On It podcast, please listen to that one. But really, it's just a how-to. It's the ultimate how-to. There's a lot of self-help books. There's a lot of diet books. There's a lot of exercise books out there, and they'll teach you a wealth of things, but they don't teach you how to put it all together. Own the Day teaches you how to live a perfect 24-hour cycle. And once you can accomplish that, you can repeat that through every day to change your life and have a dramatic impact on how you move throughout the day, how you think, how you feel, how you stay hydrated, everything top to bottom. There's no stone unturned. Talks about how to get the most out of your sex life. There's just, there's just really nothing left on the table once you read this book. It's an incredible top to bottom piece on really how to get the most out of life, which is truly the mission here at On It. How can I live each day a little bit better than I did the past? And I think that Own the Day really accomplishes that. So we want you guys to check out that book over at ownthedaybook.com. We're doing pre-orders right now and we'll continue to make sales through Amazon and all these wonderful places you can order your books at. Aubrey's also done it on Audible, so if you're a huge fan of Audible the way I am, you can pre-order the book there as well. Ownthedaybook.com. All right, everybody, it's that time again. It is the annual On It World Open, the 2018 Jiu-Jitsu Tournament of the Year, and it's going to be held at Paleo FX. Here's a cool fact. If you buy entry into the On It World Open, you get a free ticket to Paleo FX, which is an amazing conference. It's going to be from April 27th through the 29th at the Palmer Event Center in Austin, Texas. We've included gi and no-gi divisions for kids, women, men, masters, and seniors. Advanced division winners will earn a spot at the Ana Invitational. All it takes is willing to get choked, and you get a free ticket into Paleo FX. If you're in Austin, register now at 10, that's 10patx.com. Thanks for tuning into the On It podcast. Today's guest is a very special guest named Mike Bledsoe. You might have heard of that name before. He's got his own podcast, but he's also a part of the tandem, sometimes trio, known as Barbell Shrugged. Barbell Shrugged is one of the top 30 podcasts, I think, in health and wellness. They've been in the game for a long time, largely with the CrossFit era, but They've covered all sorts of cool shit. Some of my favorite podcasts have been with those guys. Dr. Andy Galpin is a regular on that podcast. And um, Mike Bledsoe's been all over the world. He's done a ton of cool shit. He was in the Navy. Uh, He got into CrossFit in its infancy. He's run gyms. He's learned a lot about health and wellness from many different people. And really what we get into in this is, is talking about plant medicines and some of the things that he's gotten from that, but then diving deeper into seminars, meditation, some of the workshops on how we unpack and heal from past problems. And really, he's got a wealth of knowledge, and it's pretty cool to see how far this guy's come and the wealth of knowledge this guy has that goes far outside of just strength and conditioning, which he does know a lot about as well. Hope you guys enjoy listening. Who's doing who first? I'm doing you first, and, and, and we'll leave we'll leave that on. We're not editing that out. I'm doing you first. This is the Honor Podcast. We'll, we'll jump into Mike Bledsoeville uh, shortly. We're here with my man, Mike Bledsoe. What's going on? You joined us in Austin, my friend. I have. I've been here for a week now. I've tell us, tell us how you got here. Tell us about your journey how did, to Austin. How did I get to Austin? Well, Austin's my first step of a uh, of my nomadic journey. So I decided. My wife likes to say yes, Maddox, but I'm just like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, there. I, I've had a, I'd say the last six months of my life, I've had a lot of personal uh, development and I've spent a lot of time reflecting on my life. And I realized that I had been putting a lot of stuff off until later, putting stuff off until you know, like, oh, when I make enough money, when my business is at a certain point, when this when I've completed that, you know, and all this. And then I woke up one day and I realized that uh I had I'm not gonna wait anymore. So I made everything in my life work around what exactly I wanted to happen. And one of the things I wanted to happen was to travel the world with my wife. So I have all these places, not just places, it has a lot to do with the people and the places. I don't know how many times I've I've traveled the world already meeting people and I get to spend an afternoon or a day with somebody or an hour interviewing them. And I want to go spend some real time with them. 
mm-hmm. and not where I'm like, interviewing them the whole time. And so, uh, yeah, we're just traveling the world and hanging out with the people who I've been telling I'm going to come hang out with you for like three years. You know, I've got a lot of friends like that. And so uh, Austin's the first stop. So I made everything in the business, everything in my life work to make this happen. And it took just, you know, I, if you would have asked me, I remember wanting to do this about a year ago and I was, I had this like three year plan to make it happen. And then in November, December, I was like, Nope, it's happening now. And as soon as I decided it was happening now, it was about 30 days, about 30 to 45 days of crunch time to make it happen. But here I am. So I've been in Austin for a week and I, uh, I've been spending a lot of time on it, hanging out with John Wolf, Sam Pogue, hanging out with you and uh, hung out with Aubrey a little bit and just really getting to uh, get embed into the culture of a place. And so initially I thought, oh, I'm going to embed into the Austin culture. But what ended up happening is I embedded into the Onnit culture. <laughs> You're really, very welcome to be here. Like, I don't even want to leave the building. I'm like, oh, I could... <laughs> Sit in the sauna. I could go do jujitsu. I can go. Uh, I can go uh, lift some kettlebells and maces and shit. This is amazing. Yeah, it's a good yeah. spot for sure. Yeah, and tons of good food, good music. Oh, yeah. It's a fucking great nightlife. But uh, you guys just staying like Airbnbs when you go to each place? Like, how are you doing this? How are you making this work? We're staying with friends. Oh no, shit. Yeah, so that definitely works. Then it makes it super easy. It, it works in a. Uh, there will definitely be times where we Airbnb it because we want to have our alone time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're going to figure out, you know, what the right ratio is. Uh, but one of the intentions, we have many different intentions of our travels, but one of it, it, uh, one of our intentions is to create community wherever we're at and then also uh, condition ourselves to be able to ask. That's it. That's big, Because, man. you know, I think a lot of Americans are brought up to be really independent and to not ask for anything. And uh, I'm definitely come from that school of thought. And so uh, just saying, hey, can I stay with you or something like that? And can be really hard for people to do. So we're practicing that. And I have so many amazing friends in different cities. In Austin, it was actually, it was hard to see who we wanted to hang out with while we were here, like who we wanted to stay with because, you know, we have so many friends here that are just amazing yeah there's paleo effects here is, is here every year and obviously you guys have you know barbell shrugged has been a mainstay uh coming here each year i think it was was it in may last year but it's at the end of april this year end of april this year i okay. think april 27 okay yeah, i'll be back here for that that'll be awesome man i'm looking forward Super to having rad. you guys in town yeah but um yeah i'm sure you know you go to one large city enough you're gonna fucking have some pretty locked down friends that you want to hang out with Matt Vincent's become a good friend of mine. Oh, Every nice. time he comes in from Louisiana, his um his coworker for Hate Brand Apparel lives here in Austin. So he'll just come and stay with me. And uh, sometimes he brings his wife and we got an extra room. So it's nice having the space when guests are in town. Then you can just say like, fuck yeah, man, let's hang. You oh, know? Yeah. And that's when you really get to know each other, you know? That's it. That's it. Because yeah. I, I find myself when I was living at home being pretty isolated, people would come visit, but you know, not, I'm not having the community that I really want to practice and I want to have the worldwide community. And I have a few friends that have done the nomadic minimalist thing. And there's a little trick. You go on Facebook and you can just search people who live in the city. Oh, no and, shit. And it'll just pull up all your friends that live in that city. And you go, oh yeah, I went to college with that guy or, or whatever. And uh, oh, I've been, you know what? I've been meaning to catch up with that person and I didn't realize they live in Denver. I thought they lived somewhere else. And you go, oh, okay, well, I guess I'm going to Denver. I'm going to reach out to them. You reach out to 10 people. I, I haven't had anyone say, no, you can't stay. No. Well, you're a good guy. I'm sure there's some people that might try to pull it off. And well, get, if you're a dick, a you can't of, do this. You're going to get a lot of no's. Yeah. yeah. We're going to find out real quick who you are. It's like, <laughs> yeah. I can't find anyone to hang out with. It's like, you yeah. need to change something yeah. about you. <laughs> if you're getting turned down at every step by your so-called friends, <laughs> then you might have to take a look at the, a hard look in the mirror. That's right. Man. Well, that's good. So where, where are you going? Uh, where are you going next? Costa Rica. Oh, shit. Yeah. We're only hitting uh, really cool places. I want to fucking, I want to see JP Sears and his fiance out there. And I want to see uh, Dr. Ben House. He's a guy oh, I've been yeah. following on Facebook. He's got a wealth of fucking knowledge. I've been talking to Ben. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to see if I can hook up with him because I'm there for, I haven't bought a return ticket. This is, this is something like I, I've never gotten into before. I've heard people go, oh, yeah, I just bought a one-way ticket to some other country. I'm like, 
huh, I've always bought a return ticket. It's a different feeling. You go, oh, I don't know when I'll be back. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah our buddy Connor Moore is doing that right now. He's out he? in LA. He's in LA. He's doing some podcasts and he's going to go up to San Francisco for an ayahuasca ceremony. Then he's going to go back to LA and uh, doesn't have a return flight. We'll see if he shows his face around <laughs> here again. It might be too Connor's late. gone. The sun is so sweet in SoCal, man. You know it from experience. Dude, it is. It, it's, um, I would say what I like about SoCal is it's very nurturing and you can relax there. It's not a place to get shit done, though. Well, it depends where you're at, right? Because there's well, yeah. there's parts of fucking LA where oh, it's just yeah. a mind fuck with traffic. It's an hour to get anywhere, five miles down the road. But if you get towards the coast, you can start to get that fresher right. breath there. And I think about SoCal, I think about the coast because that's yeah. what attracted me. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, for sure. You got to be on the coast. There's, there's no <laughs> What's doubt. What's the point? What's the point there's going no that doubt. far? So I was talking to my wife when we moved to SoCal originally. What's the point of getting moving to the west coast if you're not going to live near the water yeah it is point I, I thought that a lot you know and this is you know i got friends that live in the valley in socal <laughs> uh i lived in the peninsula in the bay area it was 45 minutes to santa cruz you know our work was there our friends were there so it made sense and then we could just drive to the beach when we wanted to have a little commute to the beach but there is something special about living right by the water and just going inland when you want to see other people oh yeah for sure so let's let's break down a little bit, unpack, if you will, as Rob Wolf likes to call it. Let's unpack kind of what was going through your head in this transformation process you've had in the last six months. Cause I think I saw you three or four months ago, maybe while you were balls deep in the transformation, uh, out at your spot. Oh yeah. In uh Encinitas. And um you had kind of alluded to a lot of the changes that were happening. But what if what are some of the things? I mean, we got to talk at this um maps maps fundraiser at aubrey's house the other night mm-hmm. and there was quite a bit of fucking tools that you were telling me about that sound really transformative and amazing and i think a lot of people can get a lot out of that you know and, and you know we're, we're we're guys that have experimented with everything with plant medicines you name it and i've we've both had transformative experiences from that but some of the things you were mentioning were things that are available to everyone and completely legal. And I'm always curious because <laughs> I want to know all the things, you know, I, I don't, I don't judge. I don't say what, what I will or won't do, but if you can hit the lowest common denominator, then I, that really excites me because then right. the, the, for the people that aren't willing to venture into the unknown, you have something that's a bit more practical. Yeah. There's um, you know, I, I think you and I are alike and that we're likely to be attracted to the taboo first. It's like, Oh, I can't do that. Watch me. Yeah, I'm going to push that red button, you know? <laughs> and so I think that plant medicine can be really attractive because of its its taboo nature. Um, and that's definitely what broke me down originally. Like for me to be able to even uh, want to get in these transformational experiences and being open enough to, to even wanting to do that, you know, psilocybin was originally uh, a really good gateway into that transformation and, uh, and ayahuasca and other things. But in the last six months, I started participating. I had a lot of friends who also had a lot of experience with plant medicine uh, recommend that I check out some of these personal development courses that are out there and seminars. And I did the landmark uh, forum and uh, a series of that curriculum that followed. Um, that was what what landmark really gave me was a lot of structure around what plant medicine like plant medicine had brought and meditation had just has brought a lot of realization and and um i didn't know it at the time but looking back i felt like i was in this i was out in space in a way and that i was i i really truly believe i was seeing reality more clearly than i had previously before and that was true and i was going to say more clearly than other people but I can only, <laughs> I, I, uh, <laughs> I can, the only test is myself, right? Yeah, so I can't, exactly. like comparing to other people is just not fair um, because I actually have no idea what their experience is. But for me personally, I have been over time getting a clearer and clearer picture of what reality actually is. And then going through Landmark gave me like all of this very cerebral approach to things. Whereas a lot of times with plant medicines, it gives you the feeling mm, of yeah. like oh i feel like this is true and oh i feel like that other thing that w- that i had been practicing the way i was being is was not true and this is more true for me now and a lot of times with with plant medicine there's you know a story that goes along with it is like along my journey this was shown to me it's very symbolic 
And um, it definitely helped me out. But these other tools, which are very cerebral in nature, really, really gave me a structure to have a conversation because the way I see the world is it's we're, our universe is based in language. And if we don't have the ability to communicate, communicate with ourselves and with others really, really well um, and have the same conversation and have the same distinctions. And so what got brought to me during that time was uh, what do words actually mean, you know, and having these distinctions and what are we, what conversations are we collapsing, you know, uh, a collapse in, uh, in two different ideas. So one, maybe we have freedom in one hand and we have security in another. And we, I think most people walk around the world believing that you can't have freedom and security. You have to have one or the other. And they feel like freedom is on one side of the spectrum and and uh, security is on the other side of the spectrum. And if we want more security, we have to have less freedom. And if we want more freedom, we have to have less security. And that's a a collapse in, in an understanding. And what we can do is we can uncollapse that and go, look, you can have freedom and security. These are not you know, these are not tied together in any way, except for in your own mind. And the reason it's tied together in your own mind is because you've, you've created this little spectrum in your head out of these two words. Now, how many of these two words have we set up a spectrum? We could say gay, straight, you know, these are two, these are things that we've, we've said, oh, there's most people probably consider these things on this spectrum and go, oh, either this much gay or this much straight or whatever. <laughs> Aubrey, right? Aubrey told me I was 12% gay. And I said, <laughs> I was, that's a, that's a fair assessment. That's a fair assessment. Maybe, maybe 20, 24%. Your, your hugs are a little long. <laughs> <laughs> I give a long hug. That's right. I'll brag about the length of my hug. It's like a, <laughs> long hugs and soft breaths. <laughs> Not the, uh, but these are things that, that, uh, you know, these things may not even exist. And, uh, and you know, and there might be a lot more flow there than people are willing to even have a conversation about, but, uh, and I, I'm not making an argument for having both of these, but like, there's a lot of things in life where people go, Oh, I can either have this or, or that. And I go, why not both? And so really having that conversation. So, um, yeah, having some of this more, um, structured curriculum, has been really good to create structures and conversations so that I can then interact with other people that have been through the curriculum. Now, that was, that was step one. Step two, I stepped into this five-day retreat, which my friend, Anat Perry, she puts on. Um, and since going through the retreat, we've, uh, I, I told her halfway through, I go, this is being rebranded. It was something else. It was a journey to love. And she's been trying to get me to do her journey to love retreat for uh, over a year. And I'm like, ah, ah, <laughs> another time, another time. But she came and spoke at one of my events and some of my clients became her client, her clients. And I watched my clients go through her process and come out the other side, just completely open and expanded. And I'm like, what are you doing? So finally I cave a few months ago and I go, okay, I'll, I'll come to your retreat. Five day retreat. Okay. Blocking my calendar. No work's getting done. And I go into it. And what I discovered at the retreat is we're doing work with ourselves before the age of seven. So before the age of seven, we see everything as true. The brain waves are in theta. And if you know anything about uh, how the brain, different brain frequencies, uh, say beta or beta levels, there's not a lot of learning that can even happen. But in theta, this is like meditative state, deep sleep. This is when the mind is most impressionable. And you can actually get into the limbic system, into the reptilian brain, and where a lot of the subconscious resides. And so what we were doing is we were doing all the work on the beliefs that had been embedded into who we were before the age of seven. Now, after the age of seven, uh, other parts of the brain end up getting developed, and you have more of the conscious mind that exists. Um, and finally, the neocortex, where we can analyze things. The trouble is, is when things are happening in your life, the part of the brain that's closest to the spinal cord, that brain stem, is making all of the, the quick decisions. You ever snap at somebody and go, oh, fuck. And then like three seconds later, it's like, oh, I'm an asshole, right? Mm -hmm. And that's because your limbic brain is actually operating not out of choice, but it's just 
automated. And so uh, I, I would say the average person, by the time they're 30 years old, 95% of their behaviors are automated. Now, the majority of the automation that was set was set before you were seven years old. Do you ever watch somebody get upset with somebody else at the grocery store and yell at them or stomp off or slam a door? Yeah, they look like a little kid. They look like a little kid. And so this is, um, you've probably heard of like a past life regression, but there's also age regression work that can be done. And so we were essentially doing some of that. And so you go back to pre-seven years old. Okay, when did I have the belief that I'm not valuable or I have to work hard to be valuable or um, I'm stupid or these are little beliefs that float around. And you'll know if you have these beliefs because when something doesn't go well, like the way you wanted it to in your life and you get down on yourself, I think everybody gets down on themselves from time to time. Yeah, the self-critic. Yeah, the self-critic steps in and says, hey, what the fuck? What exactly is that self-critic saying? My self-critic was saying it one time, you're a stupid loser. So anytime something didn't go as planned, that little script would run through my head. Now, how is that going to impact my behavior? Wow, like how many times did I almost compete at national level in a sport and then get hurt weeks beforehand? multiple years in a row. <laughs> and the fact that I had this you're a loser conversation running through my head, I go, mm, I was I was so terrified of being a loser that I would push myself so hard that I would get hurt before I had a chance to even step into the competition. Because I, I had to work harder than everybody else if I was going to be as good because I I wasn't as good in my own mind. I was great. I was just fine. And so I was able to go back and do that work before the age of seven and go, when did I start believing that I was stupid? And these were two separate things, but they got collapsed into one script in my head. Mm. It's like there was one moment where I started believing I was stupid and there was another moment I believed I was a lo loser. And these were two separate incidents where I, I adopted this as my truth. And then, um, and then as I got older, it, it melded into one conversation. And through meditation, what I did was I was able to notice that language and, and go, oh, that I, I'm driving down the road. I just left this meeting. It didn't go like I wanted it to go. Oh, you're a stupid loser. Ran through my head. And I go, oh, wait. Uh, I have my meditation practice. I'm being mindful. I'm just going to let that thought pass and go by. Mm, yeah, I felt a little tug in my heart. Mm, we're just going to let it go. Now, did I really let it go or not? I don't know. And, but what I do know is when I went through this retreat and when I went in this process, what I did was I found the origin story. Like, where did I actually start believing that? And then what we were able to do is hijack my limbic brain, hijack the, the part of the brain that's uh, responsible for the subconscious, remove that belief, and it took a while, and then what we do is we used um, things like RET, rapid eye technology, and hypnosis, and tremors, and some other exercises to embed beliefs that are counter to that, but in support of the life that we want to live. So it might be like, instead of I'm a loser, it might be something like, I win at life. Now, I might not walk around going, I'm a winner, like I'm better than everybody else, <laughs> but I'm going to walk around and go, I win at life. And now that's the script running in the background. So before when, um, and you don't always notice the script that's running in the background. It's not always conscious. It's back to going that. So I might be, you know, walking into the gym about to go do a hard workout. And in the background, I have this, I'm a loser thing running in the background. Well, the possibility of me getting hurt in the gym or doing something stupid or feeling like so, uh, self-conscious of, do I look cool in here? Am I as strong as the other guys? All this kind of stuff. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not noticing it on the surface, but it's still running the show. So when we did all this work, I noticed the idea is that you actually remove that. So even the subconscious script that's running that you're not even noticing gets shifted. In fact, I walked into the retreat thinking, I'm not going to, I'm not going to uh, be able to remember things in my childhood. And Sure enough, we get in the meditation, visualization, 
there are ways of hacking that and getting in there. And there were moments where I was like, it, I didn't have a memory. I had a feeling. And out of that, over time and conversation, I was able, it was able to bubble up. So what we did is I did all that work. And on the back end of doing that work, things in my life just started shifting automatically. All these things that I wanted, I wanted my business to operate like this. I wanted to operate like this inside of my business. I wanted my relationship with my wife to be full of passion and romance. And it wasn't happening. But the reason that that wasn't happening is because I wasn't showing up in a way that I could have that. And now all of a sudden, all these, I had, I probably worked through a dozen beliefs in a, in a five-day period. Some people that were in the retreat worked through close to 30 um, beliefs that were limiting them. And the reason I had a dozen and they had 30 is because for a couple people, uh, it was their first experience with personal development work at I all. See. Yeah. And so they had never touched plant medicine. So they had, they were getting into it like heavier. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, had to, I had to like dig a little bit harder. Um, but I had the tools to dig harder because I'd, I'd done it before, um, stuff like this before. And so, um, yeah, it, it was really, really fascinating work. So like, all of a sudden, my life started working. You know, people talk about their, what, their life not working. And if your life isn't working, that means that you're out of integrity. And that integrity comes from you keeping your word. Say, I want this and I'm going to do what it, make, it takes to make it work. And the moment something isn't working the way you want it to, you have to be willing to look at, well, what, what piece of this entire pie is missing that I need to, uh, to make work? And so uh, I think it took going through a retreat like that to get really honest with myself and go, oh, my relationship's not working because I'm not showing up in a way. I'm not really giving her the presence that, that I could be giving her. Um, this is what I, if you want to nerd out on the process a little bit, it's just fascinating. So two and a half days on what your mother taught you, two and a half days on what your father taught you. So it was about 30 hours of work on mother, 30 hours of work on father. The fascinating thing about mother work is when you're born, you come out and then you go to your mother's breast for most people. And a lot of people, they, you know, maybe fed formula or taken by nurses, but it doesn't change the fact that we don't really view our mother before the age of seven as separate from ourselves. She is, she is us and she's just an extension of who we are, like from like an ego perspective. And she, um, she teaches us the way she acts, the way she um, talks, things you may over overhear her saying to other people, things you say, hear her say to herself. She's teaching you how to relate to yourself. Now, your father is your first love. He's the first person, whether you're a man or a woman, he's the first person that you're going to love. He's the first person you're going to learn to relate to and have a relationship with um, outside of yourself. And so he teaches you how to relate to others. So you have your mother teaching you to relate to yourself, your father teaching you to relate to others. And then, uh, so you can imagine what kind of an impact that might have, you know, <laughs> yeah, depending on what massive. you're and your parents are teaching you unintentionally. Most of what you learn from your parents is unintentional. They're not like sitting you down and giving you a lesson or this or that. They're, it's just how they're talking to somebody. How do they behave? How do they interact with each other? That's a big one. That's a big Huge. one. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. The more, the more children books that I've read, the, the biggest takeaway I've taken for parents listening is mom and dad's interaction with one another has probably the biggest impact outside mm -hmm. of the interaction they have with the kids like obviously if you're a helicopter mom or if your dad beats the shit out of you that's gonna have a pretty big fucking impact totally but if mom and dad are loving towards one another if they rarely argue or if they if they do argue they're able to keep their voices low and come to an understanding and everything is always resolved at some point and the kids get to see the resolution as well that's massive because they know hey as in life there's going to be conflict but if they if we can teach our children how we can constructively work through that and that there is a resolution and the children are there to see that that's one of the greatest teachings we can give our kids yeah okay we can work through shit and it doesn't okay. have to be fucking flying tostadas going through there smashing into the cupboard like yeah. in my house or other <laughs> shit that was going on you know and everyone's yeah. you know, all of our upbringing if you're in your 30s you can look back and we all went through some shit you know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah. So, oh yeah oh so. yeah well <clears throat> and the thing is what i what i actually find comical like not maybe not ha ha comical, but I see parents go, Oh, I can't fight in front of the kids. 
but the energy between the parents is still yeah. fucking shitty. Yeah, it's still fuck and, you, I fucking hate you. How could you think that? And the kids feel that. Yeah, they don't have to hear it. Like even if you're hiding your words, they totally get what's happening. You I think as a parent, you have the responsibility. And when I say responsibility, I mean you have the ability to respond. And this is one of those distinctions I got from these courses is people talk about responsibility, 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 as if it's a burden. No. Do you have the ability to respond or not? If you have the ability to respond in the situation or the ability to respond uh, appropriately in a relationship, you are responsible. And so uh, take that responsibility. So if you're in a relationship and you're parenting kids and you have the ability to respond to your partner in a way that's more loving, then do it. Yeah. 100%. That's like one of the, the, the best takeaways in any communication is speaking out of a place of love. Totally. You know, and if you really understand that, like we have knee jerk reactions based on emotional responses through our lens, largely impacted by our first seven years. And that goes on unconsciously. So the knee jerk reaction out of anger is to then hurt somebody or fear is to then hurt somebody or sadness is then hurt somebody. Right. You did this thing that made me feel a certain way and I don't want to feel that way. And now I'm going to fucking lash out as opposed to remembering hey i love you and i i don't feel good right now and this is why yeah yeah um yeah so i so i did that work you know work through you know how i relate to myself i relate to my uh how i relate to others and um and then there's you know what you learn in that process is you know what are appropriate limits and boundaries for me what does self-expression look like uh there's like all these categories of personality and the question that I asked myself throughout that process. And the, the question I've been asking myself for the last few months has been, what have I settled for? Where in my life have I been settling? And if you just sit, take a breath and ask yourself, get a journal out. Where have I settled? Like, fuck, I have settled <laughs> in every aspect of my life. I, my relationship with my wife isn't what I want it to be. My business isn't what I want it to be. My relationship with my friends isn't what I want it to be. My, fr- my, my relationship with community, the, my relationship with my body. I've been settling and putting things ahead of what I really want over and over and over again. And it's so easy to say, oh, I'm going to make an exception today. But tomorrow, I won't settle. Guess what? You're practicing settling. You're settling and settling and settling. And one day you're going to wake up and fucking have nothing but regret. So you have the opportunity right now is I, I challenge anybody, take an hour, do some Wim Hof breathing, sit up, grab a journal and, you know, ask yourself, where have I settled in my life? And look at every aspect. And if you can make a pretty long list, time to do some work. And the, the issue is, is if you don't, actually you can take action on those and action is transformation you will transform your life by taking action 100 percent. but if you don't want to repeat the pattern and create a necessity to do that over and over and over again then you need to go back um well, you get to go back and heal those childhood wounds and when you heal those childhood wounds the pattern can dissipate it has the opportunity to really uh just go away and i don't know if i mentioned this but I think I started talking about is she is the, the name of the retreat was journey to love. Yeah. Really close friend of mine. And she's been working mostly with people in the fitness industry, which is funny. That's right. And I, I go, I don't think this is branded appropriately. I go, this is journey to love. Like it was hard for me to do this and we're, I'm doing it because we're friends and you, you've, you've convinced me that this is a good idea. I go, no, this is now training camp for the soul. And so uh, I decided to team up with her and actually help her do it because it was, you know, I've, I've done a lot of work and I think that, you know, I, I don't think that any one piece of work is the only thing anybody ever needs and everybody's path is different, but this has had one of the biggest impacts on my life up to this point. I want to make it available to as many people as possible. Yeah, that's phenomenal, yeah. brother. I think, I, and that's one of the reasons, like, as I mentioned earlier, I'm so attracted to all the methods, to yeah. the shamanic breath work, holotropic breathing, 
the plants to meditation to float tanks all to of it. fucking nlp like you like all of it man all well, i'll tell it you has, this all of it has a big impact right i did the five-day retreat and the next day I ate six grams of mushrooms <laughs> yes. Yes. I, was like, I was like how do i cement this <laughs> like, like, I lock did a, all the I did wisdom a and of, knowledge into place yeah, it's like hypno hypnosis ret mdr all this stuff it's like all right if there's anything left we're gonna clean it up with a, a high dose of psilocybin here and the heroic uh, journey i was right it was good that's amazing yeah. brother <laughs> that is amazing yeah damn so tell me, tell me about your experience with EMDR, because that's another one that's come up. There was a person, there was many people from all walks of life at this dinner uh, for Rick Doblin and the MAPS organization at Aubrey's. And, you know, obviously the purpose of that is to raise money for the phase three trials of MDMA with right. PTSD. And Aubrey's doing a lot of work with that, with the Curious Near campaign. Uh, I think we can put in links in the show notes to that for people to see. We also have an infographic on what are the things to be expected from MDMA versus psilocybin and uh, just just a wealth of knowledge there as the science is backing what hippies and fucking psychonauts <laughs> have been saying for years right yeah but but um well i, I think it's so, helping to ground it because yeah. it, the, the the issue can be is like had i never found really great facilitators and all i had was experience with psilocybin i would have made vast improvements in my life and happiness for sure but the fact that I've met people who actually know what the fuck they're doing has made it even better. Like yeah, it give, no it's doubt. given us the structure. That's how I felt working with Anahata out. And I spoke a bit about her in the past. Uh, I have a podcast with her coming up. She's um, She teaches shamangelic breath work, like holotropic breathing and a number of other modalities out in Sedona. And she works with people. If, if uh, we're, we're going to be opening up Spirit Ranch to the public here, and that's uh, Aubrey's kind of one week getaway in Sedona where you can really dive deep into yourself without plants and just mm-hmm. fucking work on a lot of the same things you're talking about through various means. And I've learned quite a bit from Anahata, but what I wanted to say was there was, you know, people of all walks of life at this dinner and fundraiser. And, um, I met a lady who is a therapist and she was looking for alternative means to help because if you're a good therapist and a good psychologist, you don't give a fuck what the medicine is totally you just want people to get well yeah. right and the science is showing the power of mdma but she's had a lot of success using emdr and yeah. i've had a number of other people talk to me uh, our buddy george you know 12 year marine oh, yeah. works with us with marketing there's and this is just one of those other techniques where it's illegal you can see a therapist to get it done and there are different levels of practitioners as with anything in life same thing with shaman um but the really good ones seem to have a pretty good success rate using EMDR. Yeah, I my exposure to it's pretty minimal, actually. I haven't had like heavy EMDR, okay. but from what I understand how it works, it's pretty fucking magical. <clears throat> Basically, uh, the, the trauma that exists in the brain, they're able to find it through your eyes and just smooth it out. Um, it, it's just a, a, like a oversimplified way of talking about it but i don't I don't know too much about the details of how exactly you. it works yeah so well, I'm just maybe, I'll get, maybe i'll get george on it. here but yeah it's yeah. it's uh it's just another tool and it's if at the Dude, very the tools least are popping up all yeah, over there's tools all over the place right and i think the more we have access to those i talked i spoke quite a bit about that on the solo cast i did talking about my own battles with depression the most depressed states of my life were when I felt like I had nothing. I felt like I was stuck. And I don't mean nothing financially. Uh, I mean, nothing like there was no way out. There was no other option. I knew one way to get something done. And if that way didn't work, I was fucked. And so when we add these tools to the arsenal, whether that's meditation, breath work, psychedelics, whatever the case may be, they allow us to see things with new angles, new perspective. And then that gives us new choices to make. Because we yeah. see that it's not fucking A or B. There's C, D, E, and F. And maybe there's A through Z, right? There's infinite fucking possibilities and many ways to go about things in life. And the more options we have, the better. Mm-hmm. But even just figuring out for yourself, if it's in my control, then I, have, then I have a responsibility to work on that. And if it's not in my control, then I have a responsibility to let go of that. Right. I have a responsibility to surrender to it and allow things to happen. Because ultimately, we don't control everything in life we're we're along for the ride right mostly (laughs) yeah we have some control we have a lot more control than we think we do and a lot of responsibility on our outcomes personally 
Yeah. And most most importantly, we have the ability to choose how we feel about things, right? I'm in control of my state of being. No matter what happens to me on, from the outside, I control what happens on the inside. Definitely. And that, that impacts how you're showing up in a situation. And um, another thing you have control over is how, uh, how the world is occurring to you. And so this is, uh, this is actually, this is probably one of the closest things to magic I've been able to experience uh, sober. And that is, <laughs> that is um, shifting how a person is occurring to you. This will be like a really specific example is say my wife is, uh, she's, we're just not getting along on a thing. Like I want to do something. She doesn't want to do it. We're not getting along. It's, it's not happening. And I'm now starting to build resentment towards her. I'm like, oh, why does she got to be like this? I don't know if I want to be married anymore or whatever, right? In that moment and leading up to that, she's occurring to some, she's occurring to me as somebody who um, I don't like, you know, she's, she's occurring to me as somebody who's stopping me from doing the things I want to do. She's, that's how she's occurring to me. So what I do is I make a shift. I make a conscious choice for her to occur to me differently. And there's a lot of different methods to get the whole world to occur to you differently. I've done this with like, how can this entire segment of the population occur to me differently? And one uh, quickest way to shift is I sit down and I write down 10 things I appreciate about that person or that group of people or whatever it is, whatever I'm having this feeling, this negative emotions towards. Because when you walk into a conversation or you approach a thing and it's occurring to you as something that's shitty, shitty outcomes will happen. So yeah, you definitely have control over your own state of being. And that's uh, when I, when I think about your state of being, it's your, it's a collection of your thoughts, feelings, emotions, all that kind of stuff. So what I do is I, I love this little experiment because it fucking works every time. And I remember the first time I did it, my buddy, uh, Jesse Elder, he's the one that gave, uh, gave me this little, uh, exercise and you should have him on sometime. He's awesome. Hell yeah, brother. So, uh, I just wrote down the 10 things I appreciate about Ashley, my wife. And I go, the 10 things I appreciate about her. And when I'm in a pissy mood, guess what I don't want to do? Sit down and write down the 10 things I appreciate about her, right? And so what I do is I just do it anyway. I go, okay, I'm grateful or I appreciate Ashley for boom, boom. The first time I did it, it took me like 30 minutes to come up with 10 things. Had I been in a great mood, it would have taken me like 10 seconds. But it took me about 30 minutes and then I was going to approach her about a conversation about a thing. And she comes out before I can even open my mouth. She's like, you know what I've been thinking about? I think it's okay for this to happen. I'm like, what just happened here? But the funny thing is, is that has happened many times over, not just with her, but with business partners and stuff like that. It's like, how can this person occur to me differently? And all of a sudden, five words into a conversation, everything that I thought the conversation was going to bring completely flips. And how the world is occurring to you is how the world will occur. Will occur. And so uh, you can really shift your state of being pretty quickly. And that's a practice that I've gotten better at. You know, I go, oh, I'm going to be grateful for this group of people. You know, I've done that for uh, my audience. You know, I have an audience and I go, Sometimes, you know, it has nothing to do with the audience. I'm having this moment where I'm not really appreciating that. And for some reason, I'm feeling like it's a burden. Uh, I don't know if you've ever felt that before. Big time. Okay. okay. <laughs> I'm not the only one. Big time. Very recently, too. <laughs> yeah. Like, it feels like a burden. It's like, okay, how can this group of people occur to me differently? Like, uh, I'll just be honest about it. You know, I was like, I was feeling like uh, this CrossFit audience was being a burden at one point. And, and even though it's like my entire fan base and like, these are the people who I want to help the most, but you know, I've got my own internal shit. You know, how can, how can people who, who are CrossFitters occur to me differently? I'm like, Oh wow, this is just me. It's my shit. It's making this the way it is. And then I, I make that list and all of a sudden my entire life changes, my entire business changes, you know, and transforms and, and in an instant and like 30 minute exercise, 
really take me five minutes if I if I am practicing it and doing it well. Um, and another, so that's one way to get a situation, or organization, or a person to occur to you differently. And then I like to start my day off with uh, thank yous. So like I want my whole universe to occur to me differently or to occur to me in a way that it serves me. And so uh, I like to wake up uh, with thank yous. So I know a lot of people do gratitude journals and all that kind of stuff, but who walks around with common language and goes, I'm grateful for, you know, not me. I say, you know, when someone opens the door, I say, thank you. And yeah. someone, you know, if someone were to, you know, buy me a car and you should start driveway, the thank you journal because gratitude journals are fucking selling like hotcakes. Yeah. The, the gratitude <laughs> journals. So 2008, we're doing uh, the thank you journal by <laughs> Mike Bledsoe. Yeah. <laughs> the new hotness. You're, you're out of business. Great. <laughs> gratitude journal. <laughs> no, but uh, I just say it out loud. I think of something I'm grateful for. I say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It builds so fast. It's like a snowball. And I'm like, I can't get the thank yous out verbally fast enough. I'm like, thank you, thank you, thank you. I get high off of it. I get little tingles going up my back. Up, I got the hairs on my head standing up. And I'm like, thank you, thank you, thank you. And now I start my day from a place of, of thankfulness and gratitude. And I've already thanked the universe for showing up. So there's a little trick on that too. So you say, thank you, thank you, thank you. You build up this feeling. So the way you show up, the way you're being impacts how the world occurs to you and how things are going to happen. So now what I do is I get this fucking momentum where I'm like, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. And then I start thinking, I'm thanking the universe is how I'm thinking about it, or I'm thanking myself. And I'm thanking myself for things that have yet to happen. So I, I thank the, you know, myself and the universe for everything that's happened up to this point. And now I start thinking for the things that I want to happen and it just feels good and things just start happening. It's a lot of fun. Awesome, brother. <laughs> I, like, I, like any, any, I like all the different tools for, for gratitude and things like that. That's something that's continually, there's, there's a few messages that I've gotten consistently over the years with plant medicines and I've seen gratitude written in gold writing multiple times in Mm. ayahuasca and psilocybin oh yeah and just to embody that through every cell of your body Mm. just fucking pure love and thanks you know that that's a pretty warm feeling to have you know and i think setting the stage that way really puts us in a place where we are in appreciation right so many times many great self-help books many great spiritual traditions they're all alluding to different different you know means up the mountain and many paths lead to lead up the mountain right oh yeah but that's that's such a big one to have because ultimately if we think about all the things we don't have the things that we haven't yet got we're focused on a lack we're focused on really being in a state of wanting and not having you know when we see everything we can be grateful for we've got a lot everyone it's everyone incredible. doesn't matter where you're fucking at you've if you, got you've if got you a can lot. hear this <laughs> <laughs> You have an electronic device that didn't exist <laughs> yeah. like 50 years ago or probably 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. Um, we live in a really incredible time. You know, it's 2018. Um, not only do we have all this technology and we're able to share all this information, but the, we have all these different religions of the world have been practicing their own form of spirituality. And for the first time in human history, we can have a, a global understanding of, of what's going on. You're talking about what's common amongst like these spiritual practices. And it's like, wow, we actually have access to all of this ancient wisdom simultaneously. And you can find, you know, uh, all these things that are common and go, oh, this is what's going to work for me. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's funny. And people, uh, people poke fun at it. I forget the fucking movie it was. It was... Uh... God damn it. It was in it. Owen Wilson's in it. And I think Vince Vaughn and uh, Will Ferrell is selling uh, mattresses at some place. And he has a tattoo on his neck in uh, Sanskrit. And it says, <laughs> it means make good de- or make wise decisions. <laughs> <laughs> but they're poking fun at this idea. And they do it again with Russell Brand uh uh in one of the movies where you know they're they're just saying like you can't just take an amalgamation of everything you like from every 
major religion and call yourself spiritual. That does not how it works. It's bullshit. And what's funny is if it adds something to your life, it's not bullshit. You right. can't discredit real feelings because feelings are fucking real. That's how we interpret the world. That's how we might go be the only life. thing you have. Yeah, yeah. that's why, that's our fuck, <laughs> that is our waking consciousness. You know that that's why I buy shit. <laughs> I buy shit. I drive a certain car. I live a certain way because it's going to make me feel a certain way. I'm like, I'm going after feelings. People may say they're going after experiences, but they're actually going after the feeling the experience gives them. Yeah. And oftentimes yeah. if we associate a feeling with an experience and that doesn't come to fruition, we, we have the experience without the feeling we thought was going to happen. There's disappointment. Oh, expectations. Yeah. Yeah. The expectation is there that I thought going to the beach uh, for for a week would make me relaxed and happy and it you know my wife wanted a plan sightseeing and doing all this other shit and i didn't get to unwind and so that expectation wasn't met now i look back on that trip as as a burden and i still feel like i need a vacation after the vacation and all this you know and it's like well for sure it, that's that's where we have to align our our expectations and our hopes with a real path to get there yeah like hey this is what i need this is what i'm expecting so this is what i need in preparation to make sure that that comes to fruition yeah right to yeah. outline the path really can can give us easier small little nuggets to pick up on on our way through that yeah yeah i want to go uh going back to uh spirituality conversation the uh i i think that all these different religions base this whole system around uh around somebody's spiritual development it's like Jesus Christ had an incredible amount of spiritual development. And then what we did was we built a whole religion around it and it kind of works. It'll get you like 50% there, but you actually have to go on your own path to, to get to like where you're actually wanting to go. So yeah, outlining it yourself, you have to, uh, I, it's kind of strange. How do we outline our path or like what we want, but not be attached to it? So that, like, if it doesn't or happen, not be the way dogmatic we want. about it. Yeah, right. I mean, fuck, we do it with everything. We do it with food. This is the diet. You know, we do it. With, oh yeah, with training. Like, got to be keto. Got to be paleo. Yeah, only cross, CrossFit's the way to train. No bodybuilding's the way to train. No powerlifting's the way to train. And it's like maybe they're all fucking good. You know, yeah. maybe cleaning up your diet for paleo for a while is good for you for a particular amount of time, and then you're okay to go back to eating white rice, and then you're yeah. okay to fucking venture into other things. And you go low carb in the wintertime and you fucking train uh, uh, for a month doing hypertrophy bodybuilding style work. And then you go back to powerlifting for a month and then you do some Metcons and some fucking, you know, some, some CrossFit stuff. Like it's all good. You're describing my twenties. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's dope, right? Variety yeah. is king with anything in life. Yeah. And, and to, to really just the act of going for it is going to get you results. Definitely. Right? No matter what Definitely. that is. Taking and, action. Yeah. And I, I found like going back to the spirituality stuff, like I read the Bhagavad Gita on uh, Audible and uh, it was the version by, I think, Ur Ursawan. Oh, that guy's Nahan. brilliant. Dude. Dude, just fucking mind blowing. Just right? go search that guy's name. How, how do you he say uh, Ursawan something? Yeah, you can look up like the we'll Bhagavad we'll Gita it, on yeah. Amazon and you can search his name on YouTube. You can hear this guy drop some knowledge bombs on spirituality. Yeah, on I think he was like, like Gandhi's main understudy. Uh, <laughs> he has an English accent. You know, he's he's very so he very, sounds smart, very easy to. But I'm just saying, like, <laughs> for for an Indian guy, you know, it's not like Abu off off sure. off uh, the Simpsons. You know, like right. it's very easy to understand. And I don't mean that in a negative racist way. I mean that like you could listen to him and understand clearly. Oh yeah, I mean I took physics message. too from somebody who had a, a thick Indian accent. That was a rough fucking class. <laughs> that's a hard. That's a hard. That's hard to get by, <laughs> right? Saying? But um, you know, that teaching to me back, you know, fifteen years ago, I wouldn't even have fucking opened the book. I'd have been like, nah, this is just some oh, shit yeah. they believe in the East, you know. Yeah. And then through my own self discovery and wanting to learn more and see what other cultures know, like I was, I was blown away by how much, how many nuggets of truth there are in that book and then also how many parallels there are to western religion and other things like that like there's a fucking tons dude there are so tons many of parallels. parallels it's ridiculous it's, people yeah. want to act like things are different they're not that different yeah. they're not um one of my favorite quotes when it comes to talking about like world religions and spirituality is a quote by ken wilbur who i think is one of the most brilliant people on this planet right now in regard to this conversation and he says, not everybody can be wrong all the time. That's it. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, 
we don't so many people don't want to look at somebody else's practice and accept that there's probably something in there that's valuable for them and it's that kind of approach that allows us to integrate uh everything that's you know we have the opportunity of integrating everything that's happened up until this point into our lives and if we want to act like we're isolated from not just the rest of the world in this moment but from our past and from our ancestors past and all of that we have the opportunity to really integrate all of that into our current life i think that's the key to having to having fullness yeah because we can round out some of the corners oh yeah we figure we fill in the gaps with new knowledge new experience and different approaches to things Mm -hmm. right it can be we're all going up the mountain but we can take different paths to get there you know and and at different times in your life it's necessary for the change up you know to break up the monotony of life yeah very important it's interesting going through say some transformational experiences because the intent of a lot of these is to let go of the past you know and and uh i think it can get really tricky to figure out what is it that i need to let go of but letting i i've gone through the process of letting go of everything and then realizing oh there is so much there that i'm leaving behind i can integrate all the stuff that was serving me there's a lot of good things about when i was in the navy that was just really really positive that really shaped who i am today um and then there were, but there was a lot of things that I, that I wanted to get rid of. And for a period of time, I got rid of everything. And now it's like, oh no, there's parts of that. that I really need to integrate where I have the opportunity to integrate in my current life to make it a much richer, fuller experience. So the plan then would be to take uh, na- give it the new name again. What was the new name of the five day <laughs> the guide, the guide to the soul training camp for the soul. training camp for the soul training camp for the soul. So no I, fucking around here. Yeah. There are, you know, this is done in Southern California and it's been done primarily out there, but the, the plan then would be to roll this out to other major cities. Yeah. So yeah, the next one's going to be March 15 in, uh, near San Diego, Idlewild is where we're going to be. And then, um, yeah, we're talking about doing it in Austin and, uh, yeah, we may do it in some other cities too. We'll see how it goes. Um, I love doing it in San Diego because it's so easy, but Austin, Texas is awesome. I, I'm not going to make any promises, but well, I want to. I want to. I definitely want to give it to go. Obviously, we we had a like we got to talk about it for like an hour during the Super Bowl, and my yeah. wife and I are both fucking pumped to give it a real try and, and just to see like what develops. And especially, you know, when I take this back as my only real frame of reference doing Spirit Ranch in Sedona, we had a. I think I've mentioned it before on the podcast, but working with Anahata. There was a consciousness relationship workshop that she did on one of the days that was two hours long. And I've got my wife right there. And I'm like, dope, man. Nobody else has their significant other with them. We're going to really get to go deep and, and you know, learn some new things about each other and be better communicators. And right when we sit down, it had nothing to do with your significant other. She said, who is, who is the greatest teacher you've ever had? She's like, think of that person. She waits a minute and she's like, okay. The greatest teacher you ever had doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily the person who's taught you the most good. It's the person that's taught you the most, period. The good and the bad, right? So that's usually your mom or your dad or a sibling. It's somebody you spent the most amount of time mm. with and they've taught you the ways you want to live and all the things you don't want to live with, the things that you don't like about yourself, the things that you've embodied that you want to change. And, and really, you know, especially as a parent, like how you don't want to parent. Like, what is that? And it for, for, for me, it was fucking two hours of my mom. And it was one of the most beautiful fucking two hours I've ever had. I took pages of notes, more than I do in an ayahuasca ceremony. And that was just two hours out of the six days, right? I have a whole fucking workbook full of notes. So with the right teachers and hearing different language and different methods to get there, there's so much you can extrapolate in a short amount of time. I mean, you do a five-day retreat like that and you probably, it's a life-changing experience, you know, and you probably have far more that develops just like after, you know, three days of ayahuasca, the medicine continues to work. You get new revelations, shit comes up in your dreams, shit comes up while you're meditating and you continue to learn and expand upon the things that you're given in that five-day experience. Oh yeah, it, it can take, uh, I was talking to my friend Anat who does, does the, the training camp for the soul program. 
and she notices uh, and keeps up with her people afterwards. 18 months later, is, it seems to be the, the length of the life cycle of that transformation. And I noticed the same with the ayahuasca. The first time I did ayahuasca, I, I thought I had integrated in a, like a month originally. And then looking back on it, I think it took me a good two years to integrate that first ayahuasca experience. And I had a lot of experiences between, but I really, it, it took a long time for me to integrate in my life and for it to really sink in to my being. So I think, um, yeah, I think a lot of times people just think about the medicine or just the retreat, or I'm going to have this transformation, transformational experience. And then, you know, I went over the weekend and on Monday I'm calling on my friends. Uh, I'm so fucking awesome now. And, <laughs> and, uh, they're, they're going, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. We've, we've seen this before. Yeah. He, he gets really excited after these things. And it's like, but what really sticks, you know? And that's when I, that's when the real work starts. That's the work, right? Yeah. That's the fucking work. That's the work. I had, I had yeah. a shaman in, uh, they're not shaman. They're called Taitas in Colombia and they call ayahuasca yahe there. So we had done the Yahe, Yahe retreat. It was me and uh, 10 people from all over the world, dude from Sweden, Finland, Mexico. They, they came in from all over. And um, he told this story about how he had done, I think it was like his third ceremony. And he told his wife, he's like, man, I'm healed. I know this thing. I know it. I feel it. I'm healed. And she's like, but how do you know you're healed? And he's like, I'm, I fucking know it. I know it in my heart. I know it through everything that I'm healed. It'll never happen again. I've been fixed. It's all good. It went through me and I, and I feel different. She's like, I don't know that it's permanent, you know? And then he, he started to get angry by that, right? Because there was resistance there. Like, fuck you. How do you know that I'm not healed? You know, like, what are you talking about? And, uh, and it was really bothering him. And he's meditating on it. You know, two weeks went by and then he realized like, oh, I'm not healed, but I have awareness. I have awareness at that thing that I don't like. Right. And all it takes is shining that light on the darkness for me to catch it sooner. It yeah. doesn't mean that I won't have that feeling again or that I won't go through some shit that continues to test me in my yeah. progression. But with that awareness, it's much easier to catch sooner. And then I can let it go and surrender to it or think intelligently and constructively on, on what are the ways that I can fix the situation. Totally. I want to I share an integration story because I think um, one of the things I try to share is practical applications in my own personal life so it makes sense for others. And, and I think a lot of times we talk about ayahuasca and integration and, and people are like, what the fuck are these guys talking about? But my, I had a, a very direct experience that people I think will understand. And I was uh, sitting with Mother Aya uh, one night with my wife. It was just me and my wife and a couple of ayahuascaros. So we lucked out. And private, um, private training. Private training. Fuck. Um, that was an interesting ceremony overall. I think I had an ayahuasca experience for about 45 minutes of that night. She came in, she cleaned house and she got out and I sat there and watched every, you know, the, our two ayahuasca girls and my wife, you know, having their, their journey experience. And I'm just like, wow, when's this going to be over? But I got exactly what I needed. So I, I went in, mother ayahuasca comes and, and she heals me of this, this thing um, that I'd been dealing with. And it was, uh, some shame, you know, ayahuasca tends to get in there and clean up around guilt and shame and all these kinds of things. And I had some shame about, uh, some thing, a particular instance in my early twenties. And I'd never shared it with anybody. You know, I was like, oh, I'm not going to share it like this thing. And, uh, what's funny is I've shared it with people since and they're like, oh, that's not that big of a deal, but I was making such a big, you know, you bring it on yourself. Right. And it's not something I would be proud of, you know, definitely not proud of it, but she like, I got a lot of healing during the ceremony around that. And then she told me, you know, you didn't even have to sit with me for, for, to have this healing. Your healer is laying right next to you, my wife. And she goes, anything that you don't love about yourself, she's there to love and teach you to love. I go, what the fuck? And that was when the medicine just left. She like said that. And that's when I was just like, oh, I'm done. And like, she came in, delivered the message and then took off. And so that night I was just blown away. And I had so much more appreciation for my wife that night. And the next morning we get up and I tell her, 
exactly what happened. I said, hey, this is the message I got. And she goes, oh yeah, totally. I love every part of you, even the parts you don't love about yourself. And I go, oh. And I tell her about the thing. And she goes, I still love you. <laughs> and I love that part of you. And, and I go, wow. And it felt so good. And it was, and then that night I go, well, I just want to share a bunch of stuff I've never shared with you. I started digging stuff from my childhood that I was ashamed of, that I didn't like this or that. Da, 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 da. And I started sharing with her. She starts sharing with me. And I'm like, oh, I still love you. I still love you. And so we're in a relationship where we have the opportunity to heal each other because where we lack, where we feel like we're not healed is the parts of ourselves that we don't love. And so she goes, I still love you. And it gives me permission to love myself in that area too. It's like, wow, I didn't think anybody could love me and love that part of me. But because she's demonstrated that she can still love me, I can love me too. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's called integration. I took the lesson and what I didn't do is I, I didn't just go, cool, I feel like I got healed from that one experience and now I'm going to go on about my life. It's like, no. Mother Aya said, I get to share this with my wife and she gets to help me heal. So now I don't even need the medicine for that to happen. I can just, when there's something that I'm feeling ashamed about, I just bring it to my wife. Makes it easy. Hell yeah, bro. Ish. (laughs) So there's this thing I'm completely ashamed of. I want to share with you. (laughs) Hell yeah, brother. Yeah. Well, fuck, man. We hit an hour. We're going to jump on your podcast here after a quick smoke break. Perfect. But um, where can people find you online? Uh, go over to thebloodsoshow.com if um, you're looking for these types of conversations. And uh, I'll be inter- I've already interviewed you once. You can check the other interview I did and uh, the one I'll be posting. Um, and then if you're really into the fitness scene, go over to barbellshrug.com. Yeah, you guys have fucking two excellent, excellent podcasts, brother. Yeah, thank you. Where, are you, on, where are you on the social medias? Uh, Instagram, Mike underscore Bledsoe. And on Facebook... Uh, you can search my name, Mike Bledsoe, and uh, I think I think my it's like Facebook.com slash Bledsopia or something. Nope, brother. But, uh, yeah. Thanks for joining well, us, man. It's thanks been for an having me. Pleasure. Hell yeah. yeah. Thanks for listening to the On It podcast with my buddy Mike Bledsoe. Really, really appreciate it when you guys leave five star reviews on the On It podcast because it helps other people learn about this dope podcast and really spread the word. Uh, if you're not leaving a five star review, tell your mom, tell your friends. Tell everybody to tune in. That also works. Uh, also, check me out once a week, 6 p.m. Central Time on Facebook Live through the Onnit main page. All you got to do is click like on Onnit on Facebook, and you can see me every week at 6 p.m. Central Time, and we're doing a Q&A. Every week, I'll answer your questions for 30 minutes, whatever questions you got. You got questions on psychedelics. You got questions on supplementation, diets, ketogenic, not ketogenic. When's the best time to eat carbs? You fucking name it. I'll answer it. If you uh, have a question about who my father was, was it Vanderlei Silva? Was it the hound from game of Thrones? Was it Randy Couture? All valid questions. You'll get an answer. Just know if I don't have the answer to your question, I'll say that. And then I'll point you in the right direction of where you can find that information out. But rest assured, you'll walk away from that 30 minute Facebook live leaving fulfilled, leaving in joy, leaving knowing that you've learned something and you've left a little more than what you showed up with. Thanks for tuning in.